Smartcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Before we get started, I just wanted to share a few words about my new book, All in the Same Boat. Well, I have the first copy in my hands right now, and I can tell you it's one of the greatest feelings that an author can have. I spent two and a half years researching and writing this book, and now I actually have it here. And that's pretty amazing. And uh, it's always a great feeling when you see uh, an idea become reality, whether it's in your business or like me, an author writing a book. When your ideas become reality, it's a great feeling. And I feel really uh, excited about this book. And I'm excited for you to get this book and read this book. There's so many great stories in it. And I know that's going to impact your life. It's going to impact impact your role as a leader. So I really highly encourage everyone to to seek out this book. And just a reminder, there's only two weeks left to pre-order this book, and we'll only take pre-orders until May 15th. And that's the only chance you have to get into this contest where we're giving away more than 80 prizes. So just as a reminder, the uh, grand prize is a hand-carved custom American flag from the Sasquatch Flag Company. And there's a bunch of other prizes. There's coffee mugs from the Bottom Gun I'm sorry, coffee from the Bottom Gun Coffee Company, coffee mugs from the Code of Vets. We've got these awesome bourbon glasses. I just got them in, and they're really amazing. They're beautiful. They're uh, these bourbon glasses from Sailors and Sticks. We have challenge coins uh, that actually uh, operate as a bottle opener from Test Depth. And uh, we've got two books, uh, The Uncomplicated Coach from Neil Woodson and The Coach Approach from uh, John Brubaker. So all these, uh, there's 80 of these all total prizes we'll be giving away during uh, the book launch for All in the Same Boat. So again, you only have two weeks to uh, get into this contest. And the only way to get into this contest is to pause this podcast and go to allinthesameboatbook.com and pre-order your copy today, and you'll be eligible to win one of 80 prizes. And just as a reminder, the more books you order, the more chances you'll get to win. So I highly encourage you to go there today and uh, get your order in before you miss out on this opportunity. And I guarantee you this will be the most interesting leadership book you will read in 2021. I talk about, in this book, I talk about... uh, yeah, what I did in, in the military, the five years I spent as a submarine officer, uh, and how those lessons I learned really helped me, you know, successfully run nine different manufacturing businesses, including my own business uh, that I started five years ago called Peak Demand. Uh, we're a manufacturing company out of Wilson, North Carolina. And um, so 
I think you will find some really powerful lessons in this book. And you know what my good friend John Brubaker always says, the best ideas come from outside your industry. So if you're looking for great ideas from outside your industry, this is your book. So go to allinthesameboatbook.com and get your copy today, pre-order it today, so you can be eligible to win one of 80 prizes. Now, as a reminder, the best way to support this show is to visit my sponsors. My sponsors are BottomGunCoffee.com and IHaveTheWatch.com, and both of those websites use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. So today my guest is Jared Grabiel. He has an interesting background. He grew up in poverty and ended up in jail for selling drugs, but that wasn't the end of his story. He turned his life around and became a personal trainer, a fitness nutrition specialist, and a behavioral change specialist. He also started two successful companies and wrote a book about his experiences called The Self-Help Book, Six Practical Ways to Never Stop Growing. I know you're going to love this interview. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jared Graybeal. Jared is a NASM certified personal trainer, fitness nutrition specialist, and behavioral change specialist. He's also the founder of two companies, Superfit Foods, a healthy subscription-based meal prep company, and E3, a business consulting and marketing agency. He's the author of a new book called The Self-Help Book, Six Practical Ways to Never Stop Growing. This book presents six ways to help business leaders live a life of constant growth while avoiding stagnation or burnout. This is an incredibly important topic, especially with what we've gone through over the past year. So I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about it. So Jared, welcome to the show. John, thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's good to have you. And this is a really important topic. I've been talking about it a lot over the past year and a half. So, um, you know, first of all, I want to get a little bit about your background. You have a very interesting background. So you have a, you know, a big background in health and fitness, right? Being a certified trainer, CrossFit guy, CrossFit trainer, and also business startup. So how did you, you know, tell us about your background and how you got involved with, with helping people, whether it's through the business side of it or health and fitness side of it. Yeah. So I'll give you, I'll try to like sum up uh, what would take maybe days right? Um, in, in maybe three to four minutes. So um, I started selling weed at 11 years old and um, did that well, uh, I, oddly enough, at a young age. And um, by the time I was 17, I had moved out of my, my dad's place. I was raised by my, my dad, single dad, a couple of us brothers and uh, moved out at 16 at 17 got caught and with a lot. Um, and so got charged with, um, felony possession, distribution, all that stuff, got charged as an adult. And, um, around the time I was 18, they actually prosecuted me right after my senior year in high school. I spent the summer after my senior year in high school in jail and in jail was really where I found my calling for the fitness industry in itself. Um, 
after really obviously learning that I couldn't sell weed for the rest of my life, um, which ironically enough now is probably, now you probably could. Yeah. <laughs> you could in, in like 33 States right now. Right. Um, and so, uh, I had to pivot clearly and in mm. jail, I was inspired to become a personal trainer because my second favorite passion was fitness. And that became my first favorite passion. So when I got out, I was on house arrest for two years, but throughout mm. that time I went to school and I became a trainer and I got a job at Gold's gym and I began doing sales and, um, got to transition to the training field and then eventually became a general manager and did that for about six, uh, years pursued an opportunity to open a gym in 2015 and that failed before it even started. The investor backed out, which is a mm. whole nother story. Yeah. And, um, basically over two, three months, I did one-on-one training at a, at a different Gold's gym. And that's when the opportunity to start super fit foods presented itself. And I figured, you know, at the time I was a bodybuilder, I'm a nutrition specialist. I'm really, really passionate about um, encouraging people, but empowering them to get the results that they want. Um, you know, it's, it's really fantastic watching people, uh, transform their physical life and the, you know, everything else that can happen from that. So in May of 2015 started super fit foods with, with that inspiration. And that's kind of the birth of that opportunity. That's great. So you seem like you have like an entrepreneurial bug about you, whether it's uh, start trying to start a gym you know, getting into, you know, uh, subs- you know, subscription food business and now into consulting. So where did that come from? Where did that bug for, you know, starting businesses come from? That's a great question, John. And I don't, I'm, I don't really subscribe to the idea that people are born for this necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm more or less a, um, you know, an environmental kind of person. Like I think that a lot of our personality and our inspiration comes from where we're from or what the, everything that we consume, whether it be media or our communities. Um, and we grew up really poor. And when I say poor, like, um, we were the poor kids in the poor neighborhood. (laughs) The reason why I know that, and it's kind of the cliche startup story, but the reason why I know that is because we grew up in a pretty low income neighborhood, but we were, you know, me and my brother and my dad, we had less than them. Like they had Nikes going to school, you know, the first day of the new school year. And we didn't, we were drawing Nikes on our, on our socks. And so, um, I think my entrepreneurial bug or spirit came from a desire to fit in. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to be like everyone else, and uh, I was smaller than everyone else. Like I was naturally I had a stunted growth until like my junior year of high school, and I think I write about that in the book. The I grew seven inches in one year, and that's a whole other story. Um, but I just wanted to fit in, man, and and the only way to do that was to have some money. Um, and so I thought a lot about money from maybe the age 10 or 11 until, you know, now, I guess you could say, I don't think too much about it now, but, um, so my entrepreneurial spirit from an early age came from like, how do I fit in? And that was literally, I can remember a couple of things. How do I afford the same backpack? Like people mm. had Jan sport backpacks. Yeah. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. We didn't have any name brand backpack. Um, and you got picked on for that. And then how do I afford pizza at lunch? Because we had free lunch when my friends got to have like a la carte uh, and a la carte, you had to have money in your account. And so at a very early age, those are the basic needs that I had. And I do remember my first time realizing that I could turn a profit from weed. Uh, The school we went to was a big skateboarder school and smoking weed was kind of common for 11, 12, 13 year olds. 
um, again, we're, we're kind of in the hood. So, um, I remember having 20 bucks that I saved up and I bought a bag of weed and four friends wanted $5 worth. And I was like, well, if I give these four friends this amount, I can have this much for myself. And so one weekend I was able to make my money back and have my own weed. Mm. And another weekend I did the same thing with $35 and I sold like nine $5 bags and kept one for myself. And now I have $10 cash, free weed, and I helped out nine people. And I realized that, wow, when I buy up more, I can sell them some, not rip them off. I'm giving them what they would have gotten with $5 anywhere else. And then I, so I realized I, you know, at the time, capitalism, how capitalism. Works. Yeah. You're, you're getting an MBA in high school. <laughs> yeah. Middle school. So, um, oh, or, or, you know, right. uh, so that's kind of how it all started for me. Um, and then it became, I was good at skateboarding. So I got sponsored and I would get free stuff and I would flip that at school. Sometimes I would get discounts on bigger stuff and I'd buy it and flip it at school. Um, and so of course in the background, I'm still selling weed and growing that business. Um, so there was always arbitrage going on, uh, on my end and I didn't really realize it. And so of course at 17, I got arrested. And so all that kind of got suppressed. Right. I got in the fitness industry and everything that I had learned in terms of sales and customer service. Um, because a lot of, there's a lot of customer service involved in selling weed. There's a lot of competition back then. So, I had to be on time, had to be accurate, you know? So anyways, that's, that's what got me into it. Yeah. That's wild. That's wild. You know, you really, you got it, you know, you learned cash flow at an early age. Yeah. Yeah. I was paying my own bills. I mean, I was paying, bought my own first car, got my own first apartment. Right. So like at 16, I had, you know, a balance sheet and uh P and L. So <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. That's crazy. So let's talk about your book. I mean, this this is really interesting because I really think it's important right now. It's the self-help book, Six Practical Ways to Never Stop Growing. So tell us about the book and why you wrote it. So the book was inspired by uh, a separate book inspiration. So from, again, a young age, um, I think I've always had this desire to be known or to be remembered. And I know that a lot of people share that. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people want to be remembered. And I read a quote by Benjamin Franklin when I was young um, that I'll paraphrase it, but it basically said, if you want to be remembered, you either have to do things worth remembering mm-hmm. or write things worth reading. worth reading. Yeah. I love that quote. And I'm not going to be the next Red Bull athlete. You know what I mean? Jumping <laughs> out of a spaceship or whatever. Um, so I figured, you know, uh, one day I'll write a book, but I did struggle a lot in, in English and literature. And when I say struggle, I was like a C grade student where math and all that stuff was a A plus. So I never really thought that I would write a book, honestly. Um, But maybe five, six years ago, a buddy of mine asked me to write a blog for his Christian blog website. And I committed to it. You know, when you're inspired by God, things are a little different. Yeah, I'll do that for you. Um, And it ended up being like a a big hit on his blog site. Everyone loved it, the way that I wrote and stuff like that. So that was encouraging for me. Um, Then shortly afterwards... One of our leaders at the church that I was uh, a, a leader at for, for a period of time asked me to lead a group and the group had to have like a curriculum. So I designed a curriculum. It was he was like, you're going to lead a Christian group around entrepreneurship and leadership. And I called it Taming the Lion. Hmm. And so uh, based off a quote that I read a long time ago that basically says everyone looks at entrepreneurs like a guy riding a lion. Um, and they say, man, that guy's really cool. Look at this guy on a lion. Yeah. yeah. 
while the guy sitting on the line is like, man, how the hell did I get on here? And how do I get off without getting eaten? It's so true. <laughs> and I read that quote. And I'm like, that is my life, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I led a group called Taming the Lion. And I started writing a book around this, this uh, you know, content. But I, got, I guess you could say writer's block. Really probably call it insecurity. Because I had never written a book. And I never considered myself to be a great writer. So I put that on the back burner. Fast forward about a year. I blog a lot, right? And blogs are way less committal, like right, not a right. lot of responsibility, short form. And I usually read them on my podcast and my podcast teachings are about 10, 15 minutes long. So eventually I wrote a blog called Six Ways to Never Stop Growing. And it ended up being way too long because mm. I, I, I was in it, you know, but it was too short to be a book. And so I remember reading the blog to myself and saying, man, I could double down on this and publish this as my first book because I left a lot on the table. And so basically that was it. It was like, well, I tried taming the lion and maybe I should get some confidence under my belt before I revisit that. This is already written. And it was yeah. like 2000 words at the time, like way too long for a blog. Um, so I said, let me revisit this. Let me fill in the blanks, add some stories and some context, submit it to a publisher and see if they like it. Um, and then see where that takes me. And I did that early last year and then nice. uh, came across a publishing agency that I liked working with. And, and here we are. That's exciting. That's really cool. Well, the, you know, it's funny because my next book coming out was actually a blog post that kind of went crazy as well. So it was one that just went viral and, you know, it's got spread all over the world. And I thought, well, maybe I should probably add to that and finish it and, yeah. you know, tell more stories and plug more stories into it. And two years later, now it's a book. But, um, yeah, so I, so I think it's, I think, um, yeah, I I really do encourage, you know, those business leaders listening here, you know, if you have an expertise, I mean, write about it. I mean, so it's so easy to blog nowadays. And, and if you, you don't even have to have your own website, you can do it on LinkedIn. If you you can write, you know, short form and as you continue to write, you develop these ideas and who knows, it could turn into a book. It could turn into something different. So, uh, yeah, I highly encourage people to write what they know about. So, cause you never know what it's going to turn into. So that's exciting. That's, that's really neat. So, so this is, this is the first published book then. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Well, that's, that's awesome. And let's talk about this. I think, um, one of the things I, I notice about, um, you know, I've been in, I was in corporate America for 22 years and now I've been an entrepreneur for five and I noticed that many business leaders don't take care of themselves, whether it's fear, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pressures that, that are on top of business leaders, whether you're working in a big company or you're, you know, an entrepreneur. What's so, what's so important about taking care of yourself, both, you know, both physically, spiritually, emotionally? Why is that so important for leaders? You know, I picture it sort of like as this cup. Um, and as business leaders, we're constantly pouring out. We're pouring out for our you know, our staff, um, we're pouring out for our family, we're pouring out for our stakeholders or our customers, clients, et cetera. Um, and if we pour out for so long, we're going to run out. Right. And as leaders, we have to constantly be filling our own cup. Um, because prioritizing our own health, whether it be physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, psychological, whatever, that's going to allow us to constantly continue to pour out for, again, our staff, our clients, our family, our up and coming communities, the people that are watching us through social media platforms, et cetera. Right. And if, so if we never prioritize ourselves, we will run out. Mm, um, very when, true. The cup, when the cup runs out, you've got yeah. nothing and people, they will find another source. 
Um, and so if you want to continue to be not only healthy, but relevant, you've got to fill yourself up on a regular basis. Mm, I love that. I love that. So when, you know, in the book, you talk about, uh, there's, there's, uh, these 2000 people interviewed and 69% felt trapped in the same routine and over 40% were unhappy with their lives because of it. And then, you know, one of the things you say is that many of those 40% are unwilling to change. They want to stay in these positions. Why do people get stuck in these, this feeling like they can't change and they don't want to change yet? They're so unhappy. Why does that happen? Well, I think one of the things is like people don't realize that they can change. Mm. Um, and so it's the first step is sort of like the AA thing, right? Is admitting yeah. that you need to change, like something right. needs to right. change. Whether or not it's you or your environment or your workplace or your community, the people you spend your time with, in order to change, something needs to change. Um, and it's far easier than most of us think. You just need to take a step in the right direction. And then another thing is most people stop learning because after you get out of school, whether it be high school or college or your, you know, your graduate program, what have you, we stop committing to learning because nobody's telling us to. Right. You get your job out of college and you get your assignments and you pursue those assignments and you pursue the sales or the administration or the development of the creative world, whatever it is. And very little leaders are telling their people, hey, you need to read this, or you need to study this, or you need to take this course. It's you need to do this. We need to earn this. We need to reach these goals. And so most people stop reading books. They're burnt right. out on textbooks. Right. They're burnt out on curriculum um, because they never had the choice. You know, traditional school rarely gives us the choice to pursue knowledge that we care about. It's usually knowledge to pass a test to get a right, right. Yeah, absolutely. We stop growing because we stop learning. Mm. That's one of the first things. And then we also stop growing because we either stop setting goals or we never learned how to set goals. You know, one of the things, again, in traditional schooling is that you never learn how to set goals. We get all these homework assignments and these projects, but there's never a class on how to set goals. Right. And in order to pursue a life of never-ending growth, you've got to master the idea of how to set goals. And what I mean by that is, you can set goals in all these different areas of your life. What I do each year is I set personal, professional, play, and physical goals, right? So I've got these four different categories where if I'm not, you know, excelling in one area, I can certainly excel in another. Um, so people don't set goals. And then when they do, they don't know how to set the goals well. And mm -hmm. so it's really very simple. I think Brian Tracy coined this acronym, but the acronym's probably been around forever. But SMART goals, right? Specific, right. Yep. measurable, attainable, relevant, what is it? And time-based. Yeah, time-based. So, yeah. You, you know, that's, it's a simple acronym on how to set real goals, right? You can't just graduate college with a ton of debt and say, by next year, I want to be a millionaire. Of course, mm. you're not going to reach that goal, you know? Right, right. Have to be realistic, yeah. You can't be 100 pounds overweight and say, by next year, I want to run a marathon. Right. You're probably not right. going to do that either. And sometimes people set these crazy goals because they're like, of course, nobody thinks I'm going to do that. So I don't right. have to hold myself accountable to that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or people set too easy goals. And then, of course, you reach it and then it's time to reward yourself. And then you get in a vicious cycle. Right, so right. That's, I think that's where people, most people land. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, I think the other thing is we get comfortable, right? So, you know, I think when you're going through school and 
you know, you have teachers, professors pushing you towards, okay, and sure your goal is to graduate and get a job, right? That's your goal, if you will. And then once you do that, you know, maybe you get married, maybe you, you know, have some children, maybe you gain 40 pounds and, and uh, you, you get, maybe you're making a decent salary. And so you're like, okay, well, I'm stuck now in middle management, making a decent salary, 40 pounds overweight. And this is just my life. I'm going to, you know, watch Netflix. Uh, you know, I'll find the latest series in Netflix and watch that. You know, and we get these stuck in these routines. But as you mentioned, it's not that hard to, to pull yourself out of those routines. It's just about setting a direction, setting a goal, and then starting moving towards that goal every day, right? Having that, you know, that discipline of having a regular routine of what you're doing, whether it's, you know, eating healthy or going to the gym or I'm going to read you know, five books this year or what have you, or I'm going to listen to podcasts. I, I always encourage people, you know, I mean, it's never been, you know, I think this is the golden age of audio, to be honest. I mean, there's so many great podcasts that are out there where you can, you can learn and develop and grow just by being in your car, driving from yeah. one place to another. Right. Whereas, yeah, you, you, I mean, the old days, you probably had to, you know, buy the tapes, you know, buy the self-help tapes and put yeah. it in your, you know, your eight track player or what have you, but here, you know, you can listen to, you know, thousands of podcasts to make you better at what you do. If you're in sales or if you're in marketing or if like manufacturing like me, there's tons of podcasts out there that you can just be constantly developing and growing as you drive, you know, running around, going to get groceries or what have yeah, you, you know, exactly. we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. You know, your story is, is pretty amazing. So you ended up in, you know, in jail and that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of cases would be rock bottom, rock bottom to most people. Right. And so, 
but you use rock bottom to come out stronger, right? To come out better, to set focus, to, to, to really learn what you wanted to be and what you wanted to do. Why do you think it takes so many people to get to that rock bottom before they say, man, I got to lose some weight, man, I got to get in shape or man, I got to learn something. I want to get that promotion. Why do you think rock bottom is, is, you know, how can we encourage people not to go to rock bottom, you know, before they start changing? <laughs> And I think to answer your first question, why does it take rock bottom is because uh, humans are inherently egotistical. Yes. Um, this is one of the biggest thing that separates us from other animals. We have, we have egos. And so most of us don't walk around knowing that we're very close to rock bottom, <laughs> you know, <Yes>. like, um, <laughs> and most of us, uh, refuse to accept the fact that maybe we don't have it all together. Um, Mm-hmm. Or maybe we refuse to accept the fact that our goals are misaligned. You know, a lot of my early stage was pursuing things that did not truly bring me fulfillment. And so therefore I couldn't accomplish them. It's ironic because the early stage of my life, I was pursuing money like crazy. Right. And the moment I reevaluate what it is I'm looking for, it's much easier to make money when you're not thinking about it all day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my, my values were misaligned. My ego was too, you know, I was too proud to accept the fact that um, I was a loser and I mm. needed to reevaluate my long-term life trajectory. And so I think that's why most, not most people, I think that's why some people need to hit rock bottom to realize that life, you know, the, the things that are important in life are different and the way to accomplish them looks different. Mm. Um, how can people avoid rock bottom? <laughs> I think is also very simple and yeah. I think it's self-awareness. Yeah. Um, self-awareness for me, which, more practically comes down to reading books and journaling on a regular basis. Powerful. Um, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian believer. So I read my Bible and, and that alone, it can spark a lot of humility in, in the, the life of a human being. Um, but set the Bible aside. If you just sit and journal for five minutes a day and sit in your thoughts and ask yourself self-awareness questions, it can tell you where it is that you need to grow, where it is you're already excelling, who you need to apologize to, what goals you need to set, what you need to do on your calendar today, right? So those things, to answer your question in short, journaling can help most people avoid getting to rock bottom before they decide they need to change their life trajectory or shift some habits or reevaluate their values, things like that. Yeah, that's really powerful. You know, I, I think of I think of part of the challenge we live, you know, in today's society is that we don't take that time to be quiet, right? So we're entertained 24-7. We have, you know, we have a computer on our in our hand at all times. You know, we get in our car, we're entertained, we go home, we have, you know, every show imaginable is now accessible on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and what have you. So we have everything to entertain us and entertainment is almost like it's almost like a like alcohol it's just it's sort of like it's numbing the pain like well i'm going to watch a movie instead of thinking about you know where i'm stuck in my career or i'm stuck in my life right so that those quiet times where you sit down and you're actually journaling and thinking and that's when those you know aha moments happen where you're like you know really i i've got to do something different here i got to do something i got to change before i end up at rock bottom hundred percent. And the cool thing about those moments, cause I don't want to scare people to, you know, <laughs> if you journal, you'll realize you're close to rock bottom. But the cool things about journaling for me is, is I could be journaling and say, Oh man, I really need to reach out to so-and-so and tell them, thank you for yeah. what yeah. they did for me yesterday. Right. Or journaling could be like you mentioned, like a, a, 
like a lightning bolt idea comes to mind. And now I've got my next great idea, whether it be my business idea or, you know, something like that. Um, or of course it could be a conviction of, man, I'm really lacking in this area. Mm. And if I don't, if I don't change that, that could be bad for me. Right. So journaling or spending time in self-awareness practice, um, provides a lot of positive incentive uh, in the short term and the long term. No, I agree. That's fantastic. So one of the things you talk about in in the book is is connecting with others and 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 this being a really important thing to do. You know, of course in COVID we've in a way have kind of, kind of become isolated, right? So a lot of people are working from home, they're working remotely, um, you know, that we're lacking that person-to-person contact. But how can we still, you know, build connections, grow our connections? even amidst, you know, this, this pandemic that we're facing. Yeah. And for, for the audience, um, I wrote the book prior to COVID. uh, (laughs) So there's no mention of it. Um, However, a lot of the connections chapter does talk about virtual ways to make connections just because we're living in the digital era. Um, However, it is a little bit more complicated these days. And I need to acknowledge that as the author of a book that didn't write about it. Um, (laughs) You have to be a lot more intentional now. Mm. Um, and, and things will change. I mean, we, we should be confident that over the next couple months to the next year, things will go back to normal. Like we're not going to be wearing face masks for the rest of our lives. The lockdown is not going to last forever. Um, but with that being said, while things are still a little bit up and down and depends on what state you're in, of course, um, you have to be more intentional, right? Like, our friendships that we had prior to COVID should not fade out or fizzle out just because we need to jump on a zoom call. Um, I know a handful of people that are being super creative with, with drinking games with their friends yeah, that yeah. live in different States. And yep. so if anything, COVID has inspired our ability to connect with people that weren't even around in the first place. Yeah. Um, I have friends that live in different States across the country that prior to COVID, I didn't talk to, as much as I would like, but now it's like, well, since we're all talking online anyways, why don't we get together mm. and have a zoom happy hour or, you know, a, whatever it is. Right. And so, um, me and a couple of different friend groups use an app called Marco Polo. Oh which, yeah. Yeah. My wife uses it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically a FaceTime app that you don't need mm. to have in real time. And so it allows us to just kind of talk about our day to day in the video and then you know, so we're in different groups with two, three, four, five people. Um, and I highly recommend just staying consistent with that. But the biggest piece is being intentional because if you're lazy about making connections or keeping up with connections, the only person that's going to hurt mostly is yourself. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a big calendar guy. I'm a big reminder guy. And so uh, I use a, another app called Fabrique, which helps you sort of establish like your your inner circle, your outer circle. It's, it's kind of interesting. So you can put people in this thing where it reminds you to connect every 30 days. Every oh, two, I like that. I like that. Every week. Um, yeah. I'm a relational guy, but I don't have the best memory in the world, you know? Right, so right. Um, I get a reminder every once in a while, Hey, text Hunter, it's been 30 days. And I'm like, thank you. Um, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. It, it is. It's helpful. And yeah, if some people are like, man, Jared, I bet your app told you to hit me up. I'm like, so at least I hit you up. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so it's, it's Fabrique, F-A-B-R-I-Q. Uh, okay. So Fabrique and Marco Polo, you know, if we're going to live in a digital era, we might as well leverage the tools that um, that people are creating for us to flourish. 
I like that. Yeah, I know for me, like when I'm driving home from work, that's my connection time. So that's when I'll reach out every day. I'm reaching out to someone else. And it's just so you kind of going to work. I'm either listening to an audio book or I'm listening to a podcast. So I'm learning on the way in on the way home. I'm decompressing, but I'm also I'm, I connect with others when I'm on my way home. Yeah, so and and it's just something I do. It's a routine. It happens every day, and just part of my routine. And and I, I think making you know part you know kind of taking a little section of your of your calendar and allow have have that you know set in stone where you're going to reach out to people. That's not a bad thing to do. And I've been doing that for for years. And it's a good way to just keep keep connections fresh. You know, just reach out. How's it going? What's you know? I mean. Uh, you know, some people are like, well, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Well, so what? Pick up yeah. the phone and call them, you know? Exactly, because they're probably not going to call you because they're thinking the same thing that you are. Right. So just uh, do it. You know, so exactly. it might be uncomfortable in the beginning, but, you know, it, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a military guy and, you know, I'll, I'll talk to somebody from that I served with, you know, 25 years ago. And it takes about five minutes and then we're we're, we're, we're best pals again. And we're, yeah. you know, we're reminiscing about the old days or, you know, catching yeah. up and what have you. It doesn't take that long to get caught back up again. So don't be you afraid. Yeah. You never know how that could change the trajectory of your life or even yes. there. And there's a couple of examples that I've experienced. One, you could call that old buddy and he's going through it and just hearing your voice reminiscing yep. on the past yep. lifts him up enough to, yep. to have a good night. And then, position himself for a good day tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Or, you know, there's been experiences of mine where I'm, I'm reaching out to a buddy. I don't have an incentive. I don't have an agenda, but he's like, what have you been up to? And I'm like, Oh, I'm working on this new project. And he's like, Oh, no way. I know a friend that could help yes. you with that project. Yes. And it's just like, I'm so glad I made this call. Like yes. now yeah. I've got a new partner on a project or a new connection to help me to, to leverage, to grow. And, and so you never really know, and you don't want to create agendas, right, but that's right. the organic effect of just being consistent with your. Family. Yeah. Organic networks is really powerful. It really, you know, I know for me, at least personally, if it wasn't for my network and, you know, the people around me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So, yep. I mean, I really do think that's important. So I think we want to get in our car and turn the radio on and, you know, just kind of drone out, but I think it's, Part, part we've got to reach out and, you know, talk to people, you know, make those connections. Yeah. And uh, it's really important for ourselves. And I think, too, I think we live in a world where we're, 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 we're connected, but we're not connected, right? We're connected on social media and all these other apps and what have you, but we don't really, we're actually isolated. A lot of people, like what we see is everybody's, you know, like people say, like, you know, the, the, the social media is everybody's highlights, right? And you see like everybody having a great time. Everybody's in great shape. Everybody's deadlifting more than me, right? But at the end of the day, you're just seeing their highlight reel, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're you're living in your blooper reel and everyone else you're seeing is in their highlight reel. But I think it's good to talk to people because then you can realize that, yeah, like, you know, it took me, you know, a month to get to that deadlift weight yeah. or whatever. You realize that there's a struggle behind that story, you know? So I think it's important. I agree. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, so one of the things, you know, that when it comes to improving yourself, so, you know, say you don't get to rock bottom, but you say, well, I got to lose some weight. I got to get in shape. So a lot of people just get, you know, they get, they start something and they never finish it. I see it every year. And, you know, you're a gym guy. You've been in the gym a long time. You see it every year. It's the New Year's resolution. I'm going to get fit, get in shape. But it usually lasts, you know, if we're lucky, four weeks, maybe three weeks. And then people kind of 
go back to their comfort zone. So, so why, why does that happen? And how do we, you know, how can, what kind of encouragement do you give to people to, to get on track and stay on track? Yeah. Uh, well, again, I think it goes back to one setting the right kind of goals. Okay. Um, as a, I, I was a trainer for a long time and of course worked in the fitness industry for a long time, still do in a, in a way. Um, and people set audacious goals, right? I want to lose hundred pounds this year. I'm right. in it to win it. It's like, well, let's slow down and maybe let's talk about 50 pounds this year. And that's going to be one pound a week on average. So don't think right. about the year. Let's think about the week. Right. Um, so if you lose one this week, great. You're on track because one a week is not very sexy. Um, but one a week is realistic. And if you do that over a long period of time, you're going to be sexy, right? right. So it's like right. you have to set s- specific, measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and yeah. time-based. No, time-based. relevant. I'm sorry. Relevant. relevant yeah. Word. Yeah. And time-based goals, right? So that's where you start. And then once you do, you have to have accountability. Mm. Um, and when I mention accountability, you have to get the right accountability. And the best example I can think of is if you get on a diet and you go to the office tomorrow and you tell your coworker that you're always eating out with, Hey, I'm, I'm eating healthy today. She or he is going to be like, sure. Yeah. But if right. You tell your fitness friend, Hey, I'm, I'm on a diet. They're going to be texting you and say, yeah. Hey, yeah. how's it going? How, yeah. how was yeah. your eating today? Did you work out yeah. today or whatever? Your pizza pal is going to be like, come on, man, one slice. You know, right, like, right, you gotta right. get the right accountability. Um, yeah, yeah. And that comes to, down to back to the connections, right? You gotta leverage the right people in your life to help motivate you. And I'm big on social media in terms of like, yeah, social media is a highlight reel, et cetera. But if you post about your goals, um, whether or not oh, anybody read it, you have to hold yourself accountable. There's accountability right there. Yeah, there's absolutely. Someone out there that read that, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I do, you know, I do, I work out every morning just during the week. I take, I take Saturdays and Sundays off, but I've got a home gym and, um, I just take a picture of myself every morning. I'm like, ah, you know, what a Tuesday reps, whatever. But it was remarkable to hear how many people see that little picture. And, you know, they're like, you know, I'm 53 years old and I'm in the gym every, you know, every day at, yeah. you know, 5 a.m. But it's it's almost like a little encouragement to people that are like, well, if he can do it, you know, why can't I do it? You know, and I think so I think there's it's accountability. But but the other thing is, like, I don't want to miss a day because people are watching that. Like, is yeah, yeah. is, is Randy going to post a picture this morning? Right. Is he really in the gym every morning? And I really am in the gym every morning. So so I think but I think it's it, it's good for yourself for accountability, too. But I think the other thing is you don't realize, you know, that you're impacting other people as they see that. So yeah, I don't know how many people have said, you know, like, man, I just, you know, you're, you're so dedicated and, and, and I really look up to that. That's what I want to do. And I, and I think we, we set examples for other people when we do that. And uh, so I think, yeah, I think so a social media can be that um, it can be a really, real good area for accountability as well. So I like I that. Agree. Yeah. That's great. So um, how can people find out more about you, your company, and this new book? So I've got a website, uh, jaredgrabiel.com. Okay. I'm most active on Instagram. So at Jared Axel Grabiel, that's J-A-R-E-D-A-X-L-G-R-A-Y-B-E-A-L. Um, and all the company information can be found at jaredgrabiel.com. I've also got a podcast, the Business and Leadership Podcast, and then Last but not least, the self-help book is on Amazon. I think it's probably next day, free shipping, all that fun stuff. So check okay. that out there. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's how you find me. Okay. So we'll put the links uh, in the show notes for this uh, episode so you can 
check out Jared, check out his company, check out his um, podcast and all the things that he's doing. And uh, the book is The Self-Help Book, Six Practical Ways to Never Stop Growing and uh, exactly what we need right now. So so don't uh, sit on the couch and watch Netflix, right? Get get your yeah. journal out and think a little bit about your day, right? What's, what's working, what's not working and make those fine adjustments so you don't end up uh, you know, getting rock, getting to rock bottom, right? Yeah, don't do that. Don't be it's like, not, <laughs> it's not good. Well, very good, Jared. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you for sharing all of your insight. John, thanks for having me, man. This was fun. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid.